The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Amazon Music, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. The Six Nations gets underway this weekend with Andy Farrell's Ireland side set to host Wales at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday at 2.15. The opening weekend of the Six Nations it's always an exciting time for rugby fans across West Cork, but the inclusion of Skibbereen man Gavin Coombs in the 37-man squad for this season's edition heightens the anticipation levels even further. On today's podcast, we're going to chat to Tom Savage of Three Red Kings about Gavin's position in the squad and his prospects ahead of the championship. Later in the show, we'll be looking at some of the most exciting young sporting talent in West Cork at the moment but we have to start with the defeat of Cork in the first round of the league last weekend. Keith Rickon's first real game in charge won't live long in the memory after his inexperienced side were comfortably beaten by Roscommon at Dr Hyde Park. We said on last week's show that the latest Cork football rebuilding project deserves some time and patience but Sunday's defeat certainly didn't do much to inspire hope for the season ahead, Kieran. One hundred percent, Jack. It wasn't uh, the best start to keep Rickon's reign in the in the, the, the National Football League. Cork lost away one thirteen to ten points against Roscommon, and I suppose there's a danger of overreacting to a defeat in the first round of the league. You've seen it in other counties. Uh, look across the county bounds, uh, Kerry, where fans are almost up in arms after drawing their first game uh, away to Kildare. But it, it's a bit different in Cork because of the rebuild that Keith Ricken has undertaken. And he's spoken about it at length in the last couple of weeks that this is a, a long-term project. He, he's in this for the long term. We need to be patient. We need to give this group time. And this group does deserve time, but they also need results. And the performance and the result against Roscommon just wasn't, wasn't good enough, I suppose, if you want to be quite honest. And all of a sudden, it's putting extra pressure on Cork ahead of their home game against Clare this Saturday night and listeners are probably saying okay why is there extra pressure on, on this game it's only the second game of the league but we've got to look at the bigger picture here the Cork's third and fourth games in the league they're, they're back-to-back games one is a trip away to Derry and the second is a home game against Galway and Derry and Galway are the two favourites to come out of Division 2 this year and both started their league campaigns with impressive wins last weekend so 
they're already looking like two tough games for Cork. That's why this home game against Clare is so important just for Cork to get some points on the board, really, to always dampen any talk of a relegation scrap. But also, I think, just for the, for the confidence and self-belief of, of, of this new look um, Cork panel. Because there were so many debutants the last day that they... I think, I think you need a good result along the way just to kind of signal that this is going in the right direction, that there's something to build on here. So um, all of a sudden, Jack, 40 Cueve, Saturday evening, 7pm, Cork v Clare is looking like a, a very important game already for the Cork footballers. Uh, Kieran, a point we spoke about in depth on last week's podcast was the amount of experience that this Cork panel has lost for a variety of reasons. And another big name, it was reported this week, has also stepped away from the panel. So what can you tell us about Luke Connolly? So Luke Connolly is, excuse me, he's no longer part of the Cork football squad. The, the door is still open for a return at some point, uh, but we just have to wait and see there. So that's another another experienced player who won't be involved. And that's following in the footsteps of Rory Dean, Mark White, Sean White, um, uh, Kevin O'Driscoll retired Michael Hurley's concentrating on Castlehaven we still don't know what Mark, Mark Collins has decided or will decide whether he's going to come back in with Cork this season or whether he's just going to concentrate on his club football so there's a huge experience drain there, Cork have lost an awful lot of, of experienced footballers and I put up a tweet on, on Monday night, um, it was just putting up the Cork team that played against Clare in the National Football League in 2017 and John O'Rourke from Carby Rangers was the only player who played for Cork last weekend against Roscommon who actually played in that game against Clare. And that's only five years ago. And when you think about the, the turnover, it's been incredible. And I know it's a rebuild and I know there's a lot of young fellas in there and I know they need time. But I think you also need that, that, that experienced cohort insider to help these young fellas to find their feet, to, to show them the ropes, to hold their hands to some extent, to show them what senior inter-county football is like and those experienced players are going to be even more important now if results aren't going well because uh, it could be very easy for young fellas head to dip but if you have those experienced lads in there it's the likes of the Brian Hurleys and Ian Maguire when he comes back in and Sean Powters lads like who know what it's like to be a Cork footballer and who've suffered through the bad times and enjoyed the good times in, in the last couple of years so that's why the loss of so many experienced players it could possibly, Jack, it could slow down the rebuild. Um, I wrote in my, my column last week, I just took Rui Dean, for example. He's turning 30 this year, or, or he is 30 already. But Rui won't or wouldn't be there for the, for the end of the the end of the Keith Ricken project. But he could have helped, I think, to help lay the foundation for what's to come. So that's why when you're looking at the loss of so many experienced players in a tough division like, like Division 2, um, it could just slow down the rebuild of this team a small bit. And like a name you mentioned there, who is still with the panel, is another very experienced player. And that's Brian Hurley. And thus far in the Keith Ricken reign, he's been the best player, the only bright spark I've seen it reported from the game against Ross Common in Dr. Hyde Park. So that just further illustrates the point how important these experienced players are in a rebuilding project. A parallel that I've seen drawn, and I'm going to draw myself now, is with the Stephen Kenny situation with the Irish international soccer team because when he came in to the job at the start, he cast aside a number of senior players, most notably the captain, Seamus Coleman, 
was dropped and Stephen Kenny's reign got off to an absolutely awful start. There was that loss to Finland in the Nations League, then they were beaten by Slovakia in the playoffs, they lost to Finland again, they lost to Wales, they drew with Bulgaria, they lost to Serbia, then there was the real line drawn in the sand moment when they were beaten by Luxembourg and it looked like Stephen Kenny's project was going to end before it even got going but whether he saw sense or he just realized he had to draw on some of the experience he brought back Seamus Coleman into the starting lineup and others as well and they have eventually turned the corner but it was a tough opening year for Kenny and the Irish side and the fans had begun to turn so you just wonder whether or not Keith Ricken will follow that path will he remain steadfast in his I won't say removal because some of the players we mentioned have stepped away voluntarily but will he plough on with this project of leaving senior players at home or is there a chance if they were to lose to Clare this weekend and they were facing down the barrel of a relegation would he start calling back in some of the more seasoned campaigners I think from what he's saying, I think he's going to stick with what with, with the, the, the path he's decided to go down. I think um he was saying it's so reading some of his quotes from, from the last day, he um he was saying if I if I come down here today and lose the rag and throw everything out because we lost one game, then I'm superficial as well. And reading between the lines, he's he's going to like I said, stick with the path that, that he that he wants to follow. But that loss of experienced players is telling. And again, going into home game against Clare this Saturday evening um, in, in Parky Cueve, that's when your experienced players, that's why they're so, so important. But if you're looking at that Cork team that started against Roscommon the last day, you'd be Hall Martin and Gold, you'd call him an experienced player. You'd Sean Potter has been around um, looking through the game. John O'Rourke played his first game back after injury, so he needs a bit of time to get up the, the pace. Then Brian Hurley is the, 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 the main attacking threat right now. And he got six points against Roscommon. That follows on from the McGrath Cup when he, um, and he put up 217 over the three games. So he started the season so, so well. But besides Brian Hurley kicking at six points, and I have to point out five of those are from place balls, um, uh, Matty Taylor, John O'Rourke, Mark Cronin and David Buckley all kicked one point each. So um, Cork will need a lot more in an attacking sense the last day. And you can't, and Cork can't just rely on Brian Hurley for scores, especially against a clear team that won't fear Cork one bit whatsoever. I'll just look at the stats there over the, the last couple of years since Cork were relegated from Division 1, and that was back in 2016. Cork and Clare have met four times in Division 2 since then, and Clare lead the series 3-1. Um, they've won on Cork side, they've won twice in Innes, and even though Cork beat Clare in the... This was in the National League last year, but it was uh, the North and South. If you remember last year's league, it wasn't a, a seven-game series. But even though Cork beat Clare by one point up in Innes, it was still Clare that went forward into the knockout stage. And it's also interesting to note that since Cork have come down to Division 2, Clare have finished above Cork in the league every season since then. So this is a, already it's a, going to be a tough test for the for the Cork footballers on Saturday because Clare already have one win under their belts. They won their opener last weekend against Offaly. So they're going to come into this game with a bit of momentum behind them. High, high, high in confidence after that first win and not fearing a very inexperienced and disjointed Cork. Um, one of our panellists on last week's podcast, Dear McDuggan, had kind of set out his stall 
for what he expected to see from Cork this season. And he had actually said they should be targeting a league final as a starting point. And it's looking like that is definitely not going to happen after the opening round. And you might just remind me and some of the... Um, some of our listeners who won't be as in the know. If Cork are to lose against Clare this weekend, they're obviously going to be out of contention for promotion realistically because they still have the two big games that you mentioned. What are the chances of Cork being relegated? And is there a potential that this Cork side could be plying their championship trade in the Talchin Cup? Or how is the promotion relegation working this season from a Cork perspective? The, the, the Talton Cup, that's the worst case scenario for Cork football. But I'm, I'm asking for a worst case scenario. Give it to us. What what it, has to happen? Is, uh, if, if Cork get relegated from Division 2 and are down in, into Division 3, that means that Cork have to get to the Munster final this year to, to secure their place in the, I suppose, the top tier All-Ireland Championship. But the, the one big problem there, it's Cork against Kerry in the Munster semi-final and going in all-known form at the moment, there's only going to be one winner there. It's going to be Kerry, unless there's a huge shock and a huge upturn in Cork's fortunes. So, worst-case scenario, if Cork get relegated from Division 2, and if they lose to Kerry in the Munster semi-final, then they will play in the Talton Cup, which is the second tier of All-Ireland uh, football competition. And that would be a big blow to keep Rickon's rebuild, because he needs Cork to be playing good teams on a consistent basis. Ideally, you want to see Cork up in Division 1 playing the best teams every week during the league, but that's not the case. Um, second best situation is have them in Division 2 playing some really good uh, teams as well. So that's why uh, relegation to Division 3 would be a, a big blow to, to, to Cork football. And you asked there, will Cork find themselves in a relegation battle? If they lose to Clare this Saturday night, and given the two games that I said are coming up after, away to Derry and home to Galway, Realistically, you could be looking at a chance where Cork have lost their opening four league games. So then after that, it's a way to Mead on March 13th, which wouldn't be an easy game. Then the last two games, Cork are home to Down and Parky Cueve, and they're away to Offaly on March 27th. And they're possibly the two games that Cork could save themselves. Um, they're probably two winnable games for Cork because Down and Offaly would be two of the weaker teams in, in Division 2. So while it's a very hard start to the league for Cork, it kind of does soften up after the, the Galway League game and you've down and awfully left there. So all is not lost, but they need to get points on the board. Like I said earlier, just to dampen that talk about a relegation scrap, but also it's so, so important for this young group of players to, to know what it's like to win a, a senior inter-county game and just get a bit of self-belief and confidence off the back of that. Last question then, Kieran, before we move on to the Six Nations, because you've had a great conversation with Tom Savage of Three Red Kings previewing the championship. But just to think back, because I know I'm saying worst case scenario there, Cork to be relegated potentially, etc., etc. And obviously we hope that's not the case. And we hope that this weekend they can turn all their heads. And we're just probably overreacting to an opening round game and not giving the patience and time. Well, me, you, you were giving plenty of time and patience. It's probably me who's overreacting more so than yourself. But when you think back on that famous night in Parky Cueve when Cork beat Kerry in the Munster semi-final of two years ago, and was it that same year or the year previously, when Cork were impressive and you could almost argue competitive in the Super 8s round of the championship that season, was 
this level of a root and branch rebuild necessary in your opinion obviously Keith Ricken when he was given the job this was probably always going to be the approach but over the course of Rowan McCarthy's kind of last two two and a half years there were some extremely bright moments I would say obviously last year's monster final kind of um ruined all of the the goodwill when they were hammered by Kerry but in the previous 18 months to that there were moments where you thought this Cork team has a big performance in them we saw it in that game against Kerry in the semi-final of the Munster Championship and as I mentioned we saw it in the Super 8s where they were a competitive and looked like a coming team do you think in your own personal opinion now I don't want you to comment on what you think about certain players or that but do you think this much of a change was necessary so fast or do you think there could have been a more subtle transition of some of the senior players it's a bigger rebuild than I thought it would be to be quite honest and that's for a number of reasons it's some of the players that aren't involved this year I'm just thinking of the two whites from Clannacilty straight away Sean White and Mark White two of the, the top players at the county championship with Clannacilty last year and on form you would expect them to be on the county panel at least and and if Sean White brought the same form at wing back with Clan, if he brought that to Cork jersey, like he nailed on there for a for a starting spot there. And so Cork don't have their best players available available to them for whatever reason. Um, some players just want to concentrate on, on their their club football this year. Some fellas just want to step outside the intercounty bubble for a while. And you know what? That that's fair enough. They've given so much over the years. If they want to do that, that's that's their decision. Um, injuries haven't been kind either. I'm just thinking of Liam O'Donovan again from Clannacilty. That man has been dogged by injury. And the likes of him and Killian O'Hanlon, who had an ACL last year, Aidan Brown, who was another ACL, Cahill Man, he did his hamstring last year and was out for 10 weeks. So there's fellas like that. Injuries just haven't been kind to Cork as well over the years. And I'm, I'm not just making excuses, but I just want to show the caliber of players that are missing, that aren't involved in the Cork team this year. And that's why it's, it's a bigger rebuild than it is because Cork don't have that, that big base of experienced players to work with now. When we mentioned there, Sean Powder, E. McGuire, when he comes back in and the Bears lads come in, um, Brian Hurley, um, Matty Taylor, fellas like this, they've been around the panel for a while. But it is, it's just a huge job. And I, in some ways, I can see what Keith Rickett is trying to do. He's, he can see the long term. So he wants to bring in these young players now that he can mould into players, into, in, into the players that he wants them to be. Maybe it's more difficult or harder to work with more experienced players who are very much the, the finished article. And you saw what Keith Rickon did with the under-20s where he was able to mould these young fellas into, into the men and the footballers that, that, that he wanted for his team. So maybe, and this is just me, uh, my thought, maybe that's his thinking that if he brings in the raw materials, he has a better chance of, of finding those diamonds in the rough and moulding them in that way. But when you see that Cork use 41 players in, in the McGrath Cup, like that's a, it shows you that the search is on for, 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 um, for players here in Cork. And, to answer your question again, yeah, it's a bigger job than, than I, I thought it would be. And I think it's going to take longer than people realise as well to get Cork back to where they want to be. I was talking to a local man or messaging a local man who was um who was up in Roscommon the last day. And he was saying amongst the Roscommon faithful, they were surprised at how poor Cork were. Um, and I thought that was pretty kind of indicative of where, where Cork are right now. But again, Keith Rickon has called for time and patience. And he does deserve that. But Cork do need results along the way as well. Yeah, last point on this thing here. You mentioned Ian Maguire and the St. Finbars lads. Are we likely to see them involved this weekend or are they going to 
slowly assimilate back into the squad over the next couple of weeks. I'm not too sure the answer to that, be quite honest. And Keith Ricken didn't say didn't say too much after the game the last day. You can't need Ian McGuire, to be quite yeah. honest. They need Ian McGuire back in ACP because he's such a leader and he's such a president and he's such a force in that field. Um, but whether they decide to give him a couple of weeks off to, after the Bears' exertions in the, in the club championship, I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, maybe the Bears lads want to get back in straight away and, and put their shoulder to the wheel. So I think we'll have to wait and see until the team is named later in the week um, to, to see what the plan is. But I'm sure Keith Ricken will he'll, he'll tell us what's happening after the game on Saturday. Okay, Kieran. let's park the Cork football chat there for the moment and we're going to switch our attentions to the Six Nations which returns this weekend and full stadiums are expected across Ireland, Wales, Britain, wherever the games are on. I'm not exactly sure the fixture is. I know Ireland are hosting Wales in Dublin so there probably won't be a game in Cardiff this weekend, you'd imagine. But there will be a full house at the Aviva and one man will be very interested to see in the green, if he can find his way into the matchday squad, is Skibbereen's Gavin Coombs, who's been selected in Andy Farrell's 37-man championship panel. And Kieran, you spoke with Tom Savage of Three Red Kings, obviously uh, a contributor most of our listeners will be familiar with. And what was his sense of the Ireland squad going into this and Gavin Coombs' chances of seeing some game time? Before we check Gavin Coombs, Jack, is, is this the part where, where we do a, a cringy Ireland's call like the late, late show the last night that we get our, our, our Ireland flags and start waving them ahead of the start of the of the the, 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 the start of the Six Nations this weekend? Um, but just on, yeah. Um, do you know what? Just on, 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 on that point before we move on, I've seen that uh, thumbnail tweeted and shared so many times on social media, etc. And I actually can't bring myself to press play on it because oh. I don't think I'll be able to handle the like you know secondhand embarrassment for the people who will be forever remembered as the late late show audience <laughs> who sang Ireland's call in the who's... most. There's one man who sat down. He was like, uh, he was a true hero. He's, he's flying the flag for for all of us. But um, Ireland's call will be sung in, in the Aviva this Saturday, and um, hopefully we get to see Gavin Coombs in the Aviva as well. But um, the fact that Gavin missed the autumn international. Autumn internationals against New Zealand, Japan, and Argentina. He was he was kind of struck with illness at the time, so he didn't feature. Maybe that will will hold him back a small bit ahead of the start of the Six Nations. But Tom Savage, as you'll hear quite soon, he expects to see Gavin feature as the Six Nations goes on because it's such a physical tournament. And as as we know over the last couple of years, there's men going down left, right, and centre. That's why you need such a big panel. I think Andy Farrell named a 37 man squad a couple of weeks ago. And you have to go deep into your reserves to to survive the Six Nations and all, 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 and also win the Six Nations. Um, going to be a, a, a pretty big one for Ireland coming off the back of that impressive autumn international series. But we've already got a true test of where Ireland stand because okay, we're home to Wales, but the two away games are away to England and, and away to France. Like and that's always a tough Six Nations. It's always like we're going to push to to the pinier collar there and. England or England and it'll always be tough and this French team is building as well because as much as we had a, a lot of fanfare about Ireland beating New Zealand um, back in the autumn, France also beat New Zealand too and they're building towards the, the the upcoming World Cup which isn't too long away so I start off this chat with Tom talking about the Six Nations and Gavin Coombs but towards the end we turn it closer to home again 
because Tom Savage is a man who knows an incredible amount about Munster Rugby. Like you said, Jack, he has the Three Red Kings. Um, he runs that Three Red Kings Munster Rugby website. And he fills us in on Ross Carberry's John Hodnett, who's just signed a new contract extension with Munster. And he also talks about Jack Crowley from Shannon, who's turning heads up there as the, the next big thing, the, the hopefully a future Munster and Ireland out half. But I start my chat with Tom asking him about what's a, a realistic ambition and target for Ireland in the Six Nations, which kicks off this weekend. Delighted now to be joined on the podcast by Tom Savage. He's a friend of the show. He's been on with us before on this podcast. And Tom is very well known for his website, Three Red Kings, um, one of the, the main go-to information for Munster rugby. And we're chatting rugby on this week's podcast because the Six Nations is kicking off this weekend. Ireland begin their campaign at home to Wales on Saturday. And of course, there is a West Cork angle here. Gavin Coombs, that skippering juggernaut, is on the Ireland panel. So before we talk about Gavin and Tom, let's have a quick look at the Six Nations. Coming off the Autumn Internationals, where Ireland had a, she's a super one there, beating the All Blacks, Japan and Argentina, I think it was. What are your hopes and aspirations going into the Six Nations? Well, thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, I think... Ireland this year, given the results last year, have to be looking at winning a Grand Slam this year in the Six Nations. Um, that has to be the expectation. But I think it's going to be very difficult. I think you look at um, Ireland's autumn, autumn series there, we'll say, against uh, Japan, Argentina and New Zealand. Uh, I think there were three very soft games. You might say New Zealand, soft game. New Zealand aren't what they are, or they, they, they aren't what they were, certainly. They, they looked at the moment to be building, to being get, getting to the 2023 World Cup. They're in a bit of transition at the moment, and they're at the end of a long COVID season. I wouldn't place beating New Zealand this November in the same tier as I would have done in the 2018 when they beat them in Lansdowne Road there. So, like, for Ireland, I still think that there's an element of they'll have to be tested and and this six nations i think with the teams that 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 ireland will play wales will be will be difficult you know uh, but england and france away are going to be incredibly difficult games and i look at that game against france even the game against england i know england have a few guys out missing but they are going to be massive challenges i would i would count wales to an extent france and england as being bigger challenges for this irish group than new zealand are currently um, because where Ireland have come unstuck previously has been against teams who have a massive power advantage. Now, that might not be the case against Wales, but they're always incredibly difficult to play against anyway. With France and England, that's going to be a massive challenge, uh, especially against France. I think they're the ascendant team in world rugby at the moment. And uh, that, like, I, th- I think they're going to be incredibly difficult games. And I think anybody who has expectations of Ireland running and destroying teams like like we did against uh, Argentina and Japan uh, and New Zealand, I just don't see it happening as freely this time around. I think this is going to be a very difficult Six Nations. It's going to be a lot of, I think a lot of the top sides are well capable of beating each other. And even Scotland, who I think have improved as well, are capable of springing a few shocks as well. I don't think anybody's going to be that terrified coming into uh, Lansdowne Road. I think all of the teams, bar Italy, will fancy their chances of having a pop off Ireland in Dublin and in uh, Paris and London. Given the fact that you said there, Tom, that Ireland are away to England and to France, like two of the toughest away Six Nations games, 
Will we have a far truer reflection of where Ireland are at the end of this tournament? Like you said, there are maybe some of those autumn internationals were soft. So, so this is the real test for Andy Farrell building towards the next World Cup. Oh, yeah. Look, and I think, you know, the Six Nations is very important to Ireland. You know, like uh, so much of, of Ireland's funding comes from the Six Nations and, and doing well in the Six Nations is always a huge priority for any, any Irish head coach. So, like, I look at, like, those games away to England and away to France will be very, very difficult. And, like, we can't get away from the fact either that Ireland are heavily reliant on a 36-year-old Jonathan Sexton who is one bad bang away from retirement, really, when we think about, like, what can happen in this game. Like, he's a guy now who, if he ships a, you know, six- or nine-month injury, you know, ligament damage or something like that, not that I'm wishing injury on him, but I'm just saying, as an older guy, those injuries, they can retire you. They can put you out. And Jonathan Sexton is the number one guy right now for Ireland. And as like, it's not even a debate. Like, he is an incredibly, like, he's a generational talent. Like, Ireland are going to find it incredibly difficult to replace what he brings. Um, and going into those places, uh, London, Paris in particular, uh, they have, like, they are defining games for this group. They've got to go back down to New Zealand now, who will be fresher, who will have, uh, you know, guys who aren't at the end of the road after a long year of, of traveling, COVID and everything else like that. This is going to be a very difficult uh, group of games where I think Ireland at the moment, when, when they're coming in and, you know, the, the perception of Ireland at the moment is very, very positive, you know, especially after that, those three games in November. And uh, if we go back though to the start of the Six Nations, Ireland, worked, like the perception was was very radically different. Like Ireland beat Japan during the summer. You know, we had it, those games against, I think it was against the USA, I think, and against Japan. Uh, again, like Japan, one of the most overhyped, overrated teams in world rugby. Those games were were given far more credence, I think, than what they actually deserved. Because um, like, again, I think, you know, you look back to the Six Nations and Ireland lost to, to Wales, played poorly in a number of games, had one big win at the end against um, against England in the Aviva brilliant but like that to an extent had a kind of a you know it kind of changed perception massively and then you go on the they've been undefeated since then like you know you look at the summer into november uh this is a different challenge now and i think it's uh you know it's it, like this is a start of a very difficult year for andy farrell's ireland and uh like i think by the, the middle of the summer i just have a feeling that things will not seem as rosy as what they currently do Maybe maybe I'm just being negative, but I I just look at it and I just see the I just see the the physical challenges that are out there. Um, especially France, uh, going to Paris is going to be very very difficult. And I think a lot of the core of that of that team, uh, the core of that Irish pack is going to be Leinster players, and these guys haven't been seriously tested all season long. So it's going to be a a, a very difficult uh, physical challenge first and foremost, and the fitness of Jonathan Sexton is going to be key. You mentioned at the outset of this conversation, Tom, that Skibreen's Gavin Coombs is in Andy, Farrell, Andy Farrell's Ireland squad for the Six Nations. It, it's been a frustrating season in, in a lot of ways for Gavin. Uh, Idlis kept him out of the autumn internationals. And then there, there was that whole Munster COVID situation between South Africa and then when they came back home, he had to self-isolate as well. So it's taken a while for Gavin's season to get up and running. But in recent weeks, we've seen the Gavin Coombs that we saw last season, the, the man who's just putting his stamp on games. He got that um, that, that winning try against Castro in the, in the Champions Cup and he's hitting a, a bit of form. But what are your expectations of Gavin going into the Six Nations? Will the fact that he didn't get any minutes in autumn, will that come against him now? 
Uh, I think it, it, it might do initially. Um, I, I think we know during Six Nations, there's always injuries, you know, and you've got to be in position to take your opportunity when they come. And like, I think with, with Gavin, like he was very unlucky. He would have certainly played any number of minutes in, in that November series, uh, but just that a virus or whatever it was kept him out. A dose, like he would have, uh, he would have featured and I think he would have performed very well. Like, I think for Gavin at the moment, it's like he's played about as well as you could possibly expect. You know, there's not much more he could have done. Uh, he's in the squad, obviously. Uh, for Gavin, it's about showing up now in training on these uh, the little excursion they've had in Portugal this week. Coming up against Wales now, like, is in, he'd have to be pushing hard to get in ahead of a Jack Conan, who I think is the guy in, in possession of that jersey at the moment, that number eight jersey. But it's, it's not even about numbers in the jerseys, really, for Gavin at this stage. I think what he wants to show is his role versatility. Uh, what can you offer? We know what Gavin is very good at ball carrying his passing is incredibly good he's a good set piece player as well line out uh scrummaging good, good player there he has that ability to cover in the second row also he's done that earlier in his career he could certainly maybe do it now too perhaps but i think what he has to do is uh just keep doubling down on what he's good at um and if he can continue to show that show well in training if he gets opportunities off the bench which I, again I, I have no idea of selection this week i would not be surprised to see him on the bench this week you have to nail those opportunities. He's a guy who I think will almost certainly, if he's fit and available, get that game against Italy. But he'll be looking for more. And I think with his power and his physicality, that's something that Ireland need and will need, especially as we head into the kind of the, the main bones of this tournament. Like what worked against Argentina, Japan and New Zealand, Ireland will have to be bigger again this time around. Now, I think we're lucky enough that we've got one of the best front rows going but we need to have power carrying options in the back row. And that's Gavin Coombs. Like he gives that option. And he's a guy who like his ability to win collisions, any coach going will love that. And like, I, I look at, especially when you look at cast, like the games he played against cast, well, no, the, the one game he game he played against cast down in, down in the South of France, like cast are a serious team, really, really well coached side. They were being rubbished by people. In, in like a lot of pundits and a lot of people in the media were rubbishing cast cast are a serious team big physical lads there and gavin coombs was trading with the very best of them below there and winning collisions and showed up right at the end i love the attitude of him when he was walking back like he had you know he was proving a point to somebody in the crowd almost that's the kind of stuff you want from a big belligerent power forward guy in your back five that's what gavin coombs gives you as well it's what and like since he kind of ascended into that first team for Munster last year, last season, he's just been playing at an extraordinarily high level. And, and like, that's the type of guy that will show up. And if he takes his opportunity at test level, as he did during the summer, uh, that's a guy who could get into that back row and take some shifting out of it. In the last couple of days, Andy Farrell was speaking to the media. And on Gavin, he said, Gavin being young and pushing so well at provincial level, you want to see him grasp that opportunity to thrive and grow and get used to the competition here. He's back playing well now. He's fit and seems raring to go. And I'm sure he's got a point to prove. And you touched on that too there, Tom. You said that, that Gavin is play, playing like a, a player who has a, a, a point to prove. Um, what, what, what's the next step for Gavin? So like we've seen him dominate at Munster level. He's a Munster men's player of the year. He had an unbelievable breakthrough season last season. He's now in the Ireland squad on merit. What does he have to do to move on to the next level? 
Well, now I think it's about like one of the things uh, uh, like uh, CJ Stanner before he was talking to some people and I, I was he, like, par- I heard afterwards some of the talk about what you need to do up at Ireland level, up at Carton House, the IRFU High Performance Centre. You've got to be a bastard up there. Like when it comes to your work in drills, in training, in, you know, practice games, in, in, in those moments, those game scenarios, you have to be like putting yourself about up there with an attitude that you're there to do the job. You're not there to survive. You're not there to keep your head above water. You're there to dominate. And I look at Gavin Coombs as being a guy who I think has learned that lesson. You're not going up there to be friends with all these lads. You're not going up there to be best buddies with them. That'll all come. But you've got to go up there and perform. And you've got to go up there and almost treat that as a game in itself where you're competing with those lads. You want to be the best. You want to be a guy who's going to be a top player for Ireland. You want to be you want to be lining out in the Aviva. You want to be listening to Aaron Avian, you know, Ireland's call it maybe to an extent. But you, you want to be there. You, you, you want to be one of the main guys there lining out for that. And you're not going up to Carton House or going away to Portugal for the for the crack. Like you're not, like as in, and that's the thing. Like a lot a lot of young fellas, like when they go first into camp, it's difficult to get up to speed with what you with who you have to be when you're there. Like you have to be out in that field. You have to, you have, you have to be a bastard out there. Like when it comes to like playing that, playing that training, like you would a game mm-hmm. and impressing coaches that way, training very seriously. And that's the biggest thing to put yourself about like that. That's how you get respect up there. And that's how you get yourself put forward onto the bench or, and like, you know, and then to prove it. Cause it's one thing to train well and to train with aggression and to train with intensity, but you've got to go out there and play then as well. And against like the six nations, I think is the toughest toughest tournament going like when it comes to the physicality it's intense like it is like I, th- I was talking to Andrew Trimble there for a, some presser thing a couple of weeks ago and I asked him about like the, the physicality of the modern game and he had like autumn internationals on one tier but six nations as being the top tier when it came to the impact and the, like the, the the how much the collisions hurt and how much impact it was and this was a couple of years ago, and it's gotten gotten even worse <laughs> with regards to the power and the intensity of the collisions. So that's where you've got to be, and it's a kind of like they, you know, I think they're going about like test match animals, but like for a forward with the profile of Gavin Coombs, as in what what he will be expected to do, that's a massive challenge. But I one thing I've seen about Gavin Coombs is is that he is in just fabulous shape. He looks like he's ready for war up there. Like as in you look, you look at the size of him. Like that's the type of guy, like I, I, I like his mindset and I like the way he's been playing for Munster. He's got the attitude of a guy who, who doesn't take any rubbish at all. Like I was on a presser a couple of weeks ago. I think it was ahead of the, I think it was ahead of the Wasps game. Um, and there was a lot of noise around Munster at the time in the press. And Gavin Coombs was up for the, pre- he was up for the media. So he was, you know, taking questions or whatever else like that. And there was a few old chirpy questions coming in, but there was just no nonsense out of Gavin, no, no biting in any on any rubbish. Just very flat, very you could get you could get the big game vibes off him, and uh, like for him to become the guy who I think like Munster like is in should be building around a guy like Gavin Coombs, and I think they are. Like that's the type of you have to take that intensity up to Carton House and then into Lansdowne Road, into Twickenham into the Stade de France. And like, I think with a guy like Gavin Coombs, he can well push his way in uh, to that uh, Irish reckoning. And I think he's very, very close. 
Hopefully we'll see Gavin in action for Ireland over the next couple of weeks. No, no doubt we will. And Gavin is, I suppose, the high-profile name of the current West Cork contingent, contingent who are making waves at Munster Rugby. But just while I have you on, Tom, just to check in on a couple of more West Cork lads in with Munster. First on John Hodnett. He's the, the Ross Garvey man. He missed an awful lot of last year through an Achilles injury, but he's back now and he's, he's a fellow who's impressing me. Oh, oh, yeah. Look, like I was saying to you there before, uh, before we started recording, like John Hodnett, uh, if he had come back from injury at the start of the season, like, you know, we'd say just in the middle of preseason or whatever else, like he's a guy who I think would be an Irish reckoning right now. He's playing extraordinarily well. Like to give an idea like how, of, how, of how good this guy is, like he came back from an ankle injury that he picked up as a sort of a, an ancillary to the Achilles injury that he had. He was out for a number of weeks. Uh, the Wasps game came up and this was in the middle of the, you know, the Omicron situation where Munster had been stuck, guys were in isolation or whatever else. And John Hodnett was mad to play that week. Mad to play. He was recovering from an ankle injury. He wasn't even listed as being fit and available at the start of the week. And he starts and has a superb game. Unbelievable. Ball carrying, defensive work, breakdown work. He's even added line-out work to his game as well over the last couple of weeks. Like, his work, I think, is starting to reflect now the impact he had for Irish for the Ireland under-20s a couple of years ago. Like you remember at that time, Scott Penny was was being, you know, being you know listed as the guy in, in that back five anyway, certainly for, for that Irish under-20s team. But John Hodnett got, grabbed all the headlines, I feel, uh, back then uh, with his ball-carrying, energy, defensive work. Just every, He was everywhere, especially in that game against England in Musgrave Park. I think the John Hodnett we're seeing now is kind of reflecting a senior version of that. And to give you an idea as to how highly regarded this guy is, like his contract wasn't due to expire until the end of next season. Munster have already extended him. With it, with it, with a year still to go on his deal, that'll give you an idea as to how highly valued this guy is. Um, he is going to be a senior guy for Munster. Going to be, going to be a guy who they will be building around as well. Uh, his quality, again, like I, I truly do believe, had he been fit for the majority of this season, he'd be in conversation now to be starting for or not, not not starting for Ireland, but certainly involved in the Irish uh, Six Nations camp at the very least. Uh, and if he keeps going the way he's going, he must be a big con- a big contender for the summer. Another highly rated West Cork man is in his Shannon's Jack Crowley kind of learned his trade with Bandon Rugby Club and he's turning heads as well. He's been fierce and aggressive when he's got his chance. Yeah, one of the things one of the things I love about Jack Crowley is like he has that ability that you see all really good players have and that he just has a very short memory. Like when a young player is coming into a, a big game, like he was playing uh, against Cast now, like again, that's a high pressure game down against the South of France against a very well coached team who were going to be going after him. He was taking shots. He was like all manner like as in he was getting treatment out there. He just kept coming, made a few mistakes, kept coming. And when it came down to nailing the kicks he needed to nail at the end, he had, uh, he had the, the, the gumption to do it. So like, I think when you look at Jack Crowley, he's a guy who, he was in year one of the academy last year, got promoted to a two-year deal. Uh, he's a guy who they're going to be building around again. Like he, he is a fella, his under-20 career, you know, kind of hinted at being a serious option. Um, and I think in the post-Sexton era, I think Jack Crowley is going to have a huge say in that Irish number 10 jersey going forward. I think he's got the ability. He's still just incredibly young, 22 years of age. Like that's a guy who I think you look at his... Um, his qualities, his, his skills, 
that's a guy who can go to the highest level in this game, I think. Uh, but it's about making sure you maximize your opportunities for a young guy like that and building it up in a, in a way that's sensible and sustainable. I think you look at Harry Byrne as a good, uh, a good example as to some of the downfalls of what can happen. Not that you know Harry Byrne is finished or anything like that, but he's a 22-year-old guy who was being touted around as being the next big thing for Ireland that he should be starting for Ireland like two seasons ago, like when he was 19, 20, like this is mad stuff. Like I think with Jack Crowley, the way he's being brought through, I think is very sensible, but I think over the next year, I think Munster, whoever the new coach comes in, whoever, whoever that is, will have to make a decision over who is going to be, like one of your 1A and 1B in that 10 jersey for Munster. I think Joey Carberry is going to be the guy there going forward, but you, it, it, it's sensible to have a kind of a senior guy and a guy who alternates with him. And that'll be the question. Will that be Ben Healy? Will it be Jack Crowley? Is it possible that you can maybe get a little bit of positional versatility into Jack Crowley? Can he be an option at 12? Can he be an option somewhere else? Can some of the other guys do that? Because I think Munster ideally would hang on to all of those talented young 10s they have. Uh, I think Jake Flannery is a guy who could, could maybe play fullback as well. Ben Healy, who knows, you know, he's, he's, he's got great size. Maybe he could play a bit more at 12. Maybe we, we don't know. But I look at, at Jack Crowley as being a guy anyway who has like a future top guy written on him. It's potential at the moment. But everything we've seen from him this season shows a really cool, really like mature young fella who is able to go out there and not one bit afraid to play. And that's kind of what you want from a 10, a guy who has that confidence, and he certainly has that. It's no secret that Ron Nogara tried to, to, to get um, Jack to go to France to him last year. And like you said there, Jack's only 22. He's quite a young fella, and he's, all his career is ahead of him. But what, what's the best move for Jack right now? If Let's say there are other clubs interested in taking him abroad, or is, is he better off staying at Munster, learning his trade there as maybe a backup to Joey Carberry, or is he better off going to a club where he is going to get first-team action? I think if I'm Jack Crowley and I'm looking at the situation now as strategically as possible, I look at Joey Carberry's last number of years at Munster. For, he's been at Munster for four seasons. He played 30 games total. I'm looking at um, that guy as being, you know, he's the guy number one of the depth chart for Munster at the moment, I would say. That's the guy who they're looking at as being the main man going forward. But if I'm Jack Crowley, I'm thinking that if I stay here in, in, in Munster, he's like if Jack Crowley becomes who he can be at Munster like he will be an absolute superstar like with regard like you look at Munster as being one of the biggest clubs in the world like you go to La Rochelle which is you know would be a it's a lovely place to live or whatever else but in reality La Rochelle are a small club you look at Munster haven't won anything in the last 10 years everybody keeps saying it but still consistently one of the most talked about, one of the most searched, one of the most written about clubs anywhere in this game. For Jack Crowley, I think he'd be mad to look elsewhere. He'll, he'll certainly have offers. I think he'd be mad. You look at what you can become at Munster at Thoman Park, uh, especially with Joy Carberry having as many injuries as he, as, as he does. If I'm Jack Crowley, I'm thinking three years of development here where I'll be looked after, you're on the track, you know, going to play for Ireland because if you're outside Ireland, you won't be selected for, for Ireland. That, like, that's just a fact. So, like, you look at that and I'm thinking, if I stay at Munster and play my cards right, 
he could be the main man within two or three seasons at Munster without question. And maybe he's the main man at 12, but having a huge part of what Munster are doing, maybe he's doing it at 10. Maybe Joey Carberry's at fullback. Like, I think like that Jack Crowley has the talent and the skill set where like he, he can dictate all this and any coach who comes in will be looking at Jack Crowley, his confidence, his ability, his, his style and going, that's a guy that we want to build around because Jack Crowley is looking like a very modern player. And same with Ben Healy. Ben Healy is a good, a, a good player as well. But I look at how natural a player Jack Crowley is at just 22 years of age. I know again, like Ben Healy has had uh, like north of 26 caps or whatever else. I'm looking at Jack Crowley after two starts, him week to week against Ulster and then against uh, Cast, night and day. He had developed, he had taken that information a, like a week from week to week and was better the next week because of the pictures and the information he got. Even there against Zebra on Saturday, he was looking like the cam, oh, like veteran coming on and being able to play with such maturity. Uh, like that's a guy who, look, uh, he's got a massive future. Just needs to avoid any serious injury. Keep the head right with regards to you know, the, the, like the focus on on becoming that top guy, and uh, he'll be a guy who again will be within in Irish squads before long. There's obviously a host more West Cork lads involved too, like Liam Coombs and the Witcherleys and Scott Buckley and all those. We if we t- started chatting over them all, Thomas, we we'd be here for the next hour or so. So we might have to get you back on the podcast in the next couple of weeks to run the rule over the, the, the other West Cork fellas making um, their name with Munster. But thanks for coming on today. Um, thanks for chatting about Gavin Coons, John and and Jack Crowley. And hopefully, hopefully, touch wood, it's a good signation for Ireland. Thanks for having me on. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. In this week's Southern Star Sports section, we have a very special eight-page pullout which profiles the next generation of West Cork sporting superstars under the age of 21. And there's an amazing spread of sports, just further highlighting the diversity of sporting talent that West Cork continues to produce year on year. The conveyor belt shows no signs of slowing down and Kieran you've crunched the numbers and you've come up with some of the most exciting prospects that Star Sport listeners can look out for in the coming years. West Cork sport has never been stronger than it is now. We know about the exploits of, of the high profile names, uh, Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy, Olympic champions who were just last weekend named the World Rowing Men's Crew of the Year. And if that's again for a second, two Skibreen men picked as the best men's roars in the world in 2020, 20, in 2021. And that's why world rowing. We've Phil Healy, Ireland's fastest woman. We've Gavin Coombs, like I mentioned there, and Fadine Witcherly as well, Ireland's senior rugby internationals, Conor Horan, uh, a much-capped Ireland's senior soccer international. And there's a loads more as well who put West Cork on the map. But the good news for listeners of this podcast is that the next generation coming up is so exciting and there's so much talent there and it's across so many different sports. And that's why we have an eight-page special in this Thursday Southern Star. So we're looking at some of the, the brightest and most talented young sports people in West Cork. And the criteria is 21 and under. So there's some people there that, that our listeners will have, heard about, will have heard about before. The likes of Dara McElhinney. It's just incredible that that man is only 21. 
You've uh, Kiro Sullivan from Lucistown, who's on the Cork Senior Camogie panel, and Fiona Keating from Corsi Rovers, who's on the Cork Senior Camogie panel as well. But digging down a, a bit deeper, like we've young soccer players like Aaron Mannix from Dunmanway, you've John O'Donovan from, from Ardfield, Lee Murray from Cora, who's an Ireland under 17 international, looking to ruin for a second, the likes of Finn O'Reilly and, and, um, and Lauren, Lauren McSteel from, from Skib Rowan Club as well. But this is across all different sports, from Dara Dimsey in road bowling to Finn Wilson in, in motocross, from Orla DC and Neve Cotter in soccer to, to, um, to Lauren McCourt in athletics. And that's just some of the young sports people that were profiling this week. So if you want to find out or discover a, as much as you can about the next generation of West Cork sports stars, and these are young sports people that, that you're going to be hearing about for the next decade or so, just check out Thursday Southern Star. It's an eight-page special inside, and it's right in the middle of the sports section. So you can pull it out put it away safely and come back to it in 10 years' time and say, oh, yeah, the start of that one right again. If you're a nerdy sports fan like both myself and Kieran are, it's always nice to be in the know early. It's like when you hear a band years before they have a massive hit and you're able to say to your friends, I've been listening to them from way before they were on the radio. Now you can do the same with the next generation of West Cork sporting talent so when the olympics roll around in 2032 or whatever year they're going to be in 10 or so years time you can tell your friends i've known about this athlete for a decade at this stage because you'll have read about them in our special eight page next generation pullout so get yourself educated on the next generation kieran that's not all that's going to be in this week's Southern Stars sports section though because as always the world keeps moving on and you keep filling the sports pages with top quality West Cork sporting content. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot going on. It's a, it's a big sports section this week. We have an interview with John Murphy, the Kinsale professional golfer. And he's making his PGA Tour debut at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am um, coming up this weekend so that's a that's a big one for John Murphy and sticking with the golf team Martin Walsh has a has a great two-page spread on Dunmore Golf Club which shut its doors or closed its greens um, lately after I think it was 53 or 54 years that golf course was up and running that's only a couple of miles outside kind of Kilty so good stuff there from Martin Walsh and that's well worth reading because it's a just a really really nice piece and he's chatting to some of the, the golfers who played their final round there the, the owners of the, of the course and so on it's a busy time in the West Cork League as well and the Beamish Cup got underway last weekend and the Menway Town got their title defence off to the best possible start 8-1 they beat Alta Celtic and Johnny Kelly a friend of the show a friend of the podcast only just scored the four goals last weekend Jack so um this is a man who's won the Beamish Cup four times and who's won the last three Beamish Cups. So he's um he's hell-bent at helping Dunmanway Town to hold on to their title. Yeah, uh, and uh, have... shout out to Baltimore for their 6-1 win in the Beamish Cup. The Beamish Cup is coming to Baltimore. So uh, i just uh, get get that in there. Do I have to score right this week? Because I know I tried to do something similar last week. and I 6-1, yeah. It was a, six... an, an impressive. I think that was Baltimore's biggest win of the season. And it's... And it's no coincidence, Jack, that since you're not involved this season, that Baltimore seemed to be going in the right direction. But I'll just leave that one there. Um, just to say as well, it was a 
In college's football last weekend, it was heartbreak for Hemis and Skibbereen in their Cornivory semi-finals. We have a full page on each game, um, plus reaction from their coaches. And the, 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 both the Hemis and Skibbereen Community School will now turn their attention to the Simcox Cup. So hopefully we'll have a couple of West Cork teams fighting it out there for that Cork College's competition. And also just well done to Mount St. Michael Ross Garbury, who won their Munster College's B semi-final last weekend and they are true to the to the Munster final coming up and also for listeners who get this podcast on a Tuesday Skibbereen Community School girls and um, footballers are in Munster final action this week as well so the very very best of luck to them it's just great to see the the, the, the local schools going so well in the provincial competition so there's there's an awful lot going on and also just to mention that the the Cork and Clare that's a double header in Parky Cueve on Saturday, the hurlers are playing first at five o'clock in their league opener, and then it's followed by the footballers at seven. So that's an, a nice, tasty Cork v Clare doubleheader if you're looking for somewhere to go or something to do on Saturday evening. Great stuff, Kieran. And as we mentioned, the Southern Star will be in shops across West Cork and further afield from Thursday morning. But if you can't make it to the shops, you can always subscribe online. Just go to www.southernstar.com dot ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the southern star on your computer tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week what great value thanks for listening to the star sport podcast we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts Spotify, or are we going to take our podcast off Spotify now in a protestation against uh, the Joe Rogan podcast and follow the likes of Neil Young? And no, we will not because Spotify is where we get lots of our traffic. So subscribe, like, review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tamil.